How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989 9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Welcoming your calls and text messages, and uh, look who's here. Julie Weisenhorn <laughs> from the U of M is look, here. Look, on the radio. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're looking mighty fine. Well, huh? thank you. And your birthday's early. coming up. I know. As yeah. A, yeah. Let's hear it for birthdays. Yeah. Cash will do on Monday? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Just wondering. Plants. Yeah, plants. plants. Of More course. More plants. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, yes, it is your birthday. We hope we'll, ce- we'll, we'll celebrate next time you're here. Because I just found that out. I know. All right. Uh, we welcome your, as I said, phone calls and text messages. If you have a, a, a lawn or garden question, I know we're expecting rain and maybe snow today. But this show goes on. <laughs> 52 weeks. That's right. Uh, call it in 651. We've cleared the lines, by the way, if you have a lawn or garden question. By all means, call it or send a text. 651-989-9226. Or you can text Julie, 81807-81807. Uh, we, we should mention, too, that uh, for those who maybe missed it, that, that uh, we had a video uh, put out yeah, there. You can, you can yes. check that. Folks been checking that out? It's on our Yard and Garden blog, and you can get to that on our extension site at extension.umn.edu. But it's the behind-the-scenes video. Mm. So, yeah, it shows all the nitty-gritty work we do here. <laughs> Is there any different music? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Spooky music. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, and And uh, I think... Um, the unusual thing is all three of us, Mary, Teresa, and I were all here the same day yeah. and flooded the studio. That was fun. It was fun. It was That's a never happened yeah. before or since. No, no. Yeah. Sometimes there's been two of us on here when our schedules got screwed up. But, but yeah, never all three of us at once. That was, that was fun. So check Monumental. it out. Monumental. Check, definitely check it out. Yeah. And we'll, we'll continue as, as you and your colleagues uh, do every week is give that University of Minnesota website. Yes, yeah. And it's our eighth year of this show. You're kidding me. I know. I mean, we've did that. That, that was the reason it. for the video, I but I still can't believe it. I can't believe it. It seems, st- like, seems like we're just still working it out. <laughs> but we are. We are. We're still every, learning. Every week is different. Yeah, really every week is, is different. 651 989 Text 81807. Uh, let's see. Oh, wow. We've had uh, some <laughs> pop in here that I didn't uh, see before. Let's see here. Uh, it doesn't say how many <laughs> square feet. Music. Is it 1,000 square feet? Okay, who would I contact, Texter says, that would give me an assessment of my lawn? Not a lawn service, but someone who could walk me through the needed repairs. That would be a lawn service. Well, yeah. Yeah, actually. That's we have gonna, many of they're them. Gonna, yeah, and, and what a lawn service is going to do, and you can find... Uh, good uh, resources for lawn services on our Minnesota Nursery and Landscape Association website. It's mnla.biz, B-I-Z. 
And uh, in fact, there's lots of other uh, landscape services and uh, members uh, contact information there. And a lawn service, a good quality lawn service, and we have many of them in yep. Minnesota, are going to come to your site. They're going to walk you through your lawn, what has to be done, and they're going to give you a quote for that or talk to you about a maintenance contract or it might be a one or two time visit or something like that. So it is a lawn service, a lawn company that is going to come and assess that. That's the best best resource right there. And you can you could get a, a soil test yourself, but they do that as That's well. That's correct. You could do a soil test, and our soil testing laboratory has uh, instructions on it. At, and you can get to that on our extension site as well and how to do that yourself. But a lawn, good lawn company is going to help you with that. Too. Absolutely. Many of them, like you said. All right, let's uh, go to the phones. I think Ken is calling from uh, Blaine with a question. Ken, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a question. I harvested a couple uh, pods of uh, milkweed this spring. Sure. And, uh, they had gone through the winter. And I guess I was just wondering, um, as far as planting the seeds, um, how deep and you know, you know the particulars of, of planting them. That is, I, I believe with milkweed that that is going to be something that you sprinkle uh, kind of on the surface and just kind of tap into the soil. You want the soil to seed contact for that. Uh, when you think about milkweed, how it basically propagates itself through those seeds, it just, you know, it explodes, the pot explodes, and those seeds just go and they drop into the soil. And uh, so I don't think you need, uh, there's a, I don't think there's a depth requirement. If anybody, I know Master Gardeners, you've done a lot of milkweed seed uh, planting. If anybody has uh, any advice, the Wild Ones, that's a, a, a native plant organization. Uh, anybody, you text in with that and uh, just uh, give us some details. But I think with milks, it's the cold period that's the most important is that they've gone through that cold period. But I think then you just drop them on the soil and make, make sure that seed to soil contact is good. Very good. Thank you, Ken. Uh, let's go to Bob, who's calling in this morning with a question for Julie. Bob, you're on CCO. Yeah, Julie, by the way, you've helped us before with other questions. Awesome. Great. Great. Uh, we received a um, uh, azalea plant, and we want to know if we can plant it outdoors, if it will survive, you know, in Minnesota and, you know, especially in the winter. Did you get that this winter? No, we got it as a gift this spring. spring. Okay. Chances are it is not a hardy azalea. Uh, if it came from a florist, it's a, it, it is something that is grown further south from here, you know, in the southern climes. And uh, so you can put it outside as a, as a potted plant for the summer, but you're going to want to bring it back in in the fall. It's not going to be hardy here. If you're looking for hardy azaleas for your yard, the Northern Lights series, which is developed by the University of Minnesota, that is a good, uh, good, reliable. There's lots of different colors and uh, and combinations of colors, and that's a good, reliable azalea for Minnesota winters. All right, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six is the phone number. Text is eight one eight zero seven. Uh, I tell you what, let's go to Northfield. Robert is there with a question for Julie. Go ahead, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. We love your program. Awesome. My question is about this tomato blight. Okay. I have tried everything: grass around the you know bottom of the plant and plastic and everything else. Is there any species or any tomatoes that are resistant to it? 
There are resistant uh, tomatoes. One of the things, one question I would ask you is, do you rotate your plants? In other words, do you plant them in different places every I year? Tried, I tried that this year. Okay, yeah. tried that this year. Last um, year. Or last year. Uh, yes, there are resistant varieties. I would recommend going to our website and clicking on uh, the vegetables section and going to tomatoes, and that's going to that's going to refer you to different varieties or resources to find those varieties. There's also a really good publication from Cornell University called, I think it's called VegMD, V-E-G-M-D. And there are lists there of all vegetables and how resistant the different varieties are to different common uh, diseases and pathogens that are in the soils and, and, you know, fungi and bacteria, et cetera. So, uh, that would be another good resource to VegMD from Cornell. But go to our website first. I think there might be a link to it there. I'm not sure, but uh, we certainly have good uh, tomato information there as well. And that's at extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden and go to Vegetables, and, and you should be able to find that information. Okay. Uh, before we take a quick break, let's grab a text uh, I put crabgrass preventer on. Texter says, use the recommended spreader setting, but ended up with about a third of the bag not used. My yard is larger than the 5,000 square feet listed on the preventer bag. Should I put the remainder on my yard? So your yard is larger, but you didn't uh, use, use all the bag. Yeah, I think you could probably re- you could probably use it. Yeah, you might have had your setting. The calibration might have been off a little mm-hmm. bit on your spreader. Um, and so I think you could, you could finish it up too, especially because you're, you know, congratulations for reading the package. That's awesome because a lot of people just kind of broadcast it out, like feeding the chickens kind of thing. So, uh, so that's great. So I think you could probably do that. You might want to focus on those areas where you've seen a lot of crabgrass last year. One other tip too for crabgrass is our, uh, we were teaching the licensed pesticide applicator training session down in Rochester. And the Mayo Clinic staff was there, as you might well imagine. They are certified in, in uh, any kind of application. They simply raised their mower to four inches. Now, you think about the Mayo Clinic wow. and you think about all the hardscape and crabgrass likes to grow in those really warm edges by uh, warmed-up cement and asphalt and whatnot. They reduced and almost eliminated their crabgrass application. Just so by doing that. that was a really great – yeah, just by raising that because that uh, creates a stronger grass plants – and then also it shades the uh, soil so that those crabgrass uh, seeds won't um, germinate. I'm going to start doing that, that this yeah, year. Yeah, raise your mower. Excellent. Julie, we need to take a quick break. There, Folks on the line, stay there. Texters, we'll get to your text messages as well here on our Smart Garden Show on 830WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota Extension right. helping you out. Yeah. As you can see, Julie, as usual, uh, no surprise here. A lot of callers, a lot of texters, many of those texters. Yeah. But let's get those folks that have been waiting on the line some help here first. Uh, Mary in Robbinsdale, I believe, is first up here. Uh, Mary, what is your question for Julie? Oh, great. Um, <laughs> we have, I have a five-year-old, I'd say five-year-old PG hydrangea planted at the north end of our house. And I noticed as, when I'm raking, I raked off some leaves and stuff, and there's these two big roots bulging sure. up out of the ground. Yep. And there's, there is a maple tree that's probably 15 years old, about 25 feet away. I'm wondering if I should cover those roots, if they're from the peachy, 
I've never seen that before in my um, other PG hydrangea. Yeah, so I have the same thing on my limelight hydrangea, which is older oh. than yours. But but it, there are some larger roots when the plant gets, uh, you know, when it uh, gets a little bit older. There oh. are some larger roots that can show on the surface. The best thing okay. to do actually is either to just leave them or to mulch them with wood mulch. Don't bury them. Uh, okay. You know, that's the way the plant is growing, and uh, and it you know unless you see some damage on those roots, it's best to protect them somehow. So you can put some mulch around there. Uh, you could put cr- uh, chopped up leaves around it. Just something to keep those roots cooler when we get into the more stressful hot summers. All right. Very good. Again, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Texter wants to know. Uh, good morning. This says uh, we have a cherry tree, one inch in diameter, that was planted two years ago. I'd like to move it now. Is now a good time to move it? Yeah, you, I, you. Actually, it would probably be almost blooming at this point. I might wait actually to move it, um, and I would maybe either move it at the end of the season, or I would wait until next spring to move it before it actually opens its buds. Most of the plants that I've seen out there, I mean, magnolias are blooming. Uh, my crab apple is starting to bud out, and so I don't think I would move it right now. You're going to end up stressing it, mm. and it's and you'll probably lose quite a bit of the bloom. And if and if it's a I don't know if it's an ornamental or if it's a fruiting cherry tree, but either way, I I hold off right now. This is a prime time for those early blooming plants to be pushing out a lot of energy, and if you move it, you could disrupt that. So mm. I I'd, I'd wait and do it next spring actually when it when it before it breaks bud. All right. If you can. Uh, back to the phones we go. Anne is calling from Amory with a question. Hi, good morning, Anne. Good morning. Morning. I have a, a, a very old elm tree. It's over 100 years old at the end of my driveway, and I just love the tree, but it needs some help. And I called an arborist um, last fall, I believe, and he said he couldn't come out, or maybe it was closer to winter, and he said he couldn't come out, and I don't remember if. Spring would be a good time for someone to look at the tree. It needs some help, but um, I don't know who to call. I don't remember his name. I live in Wisconsin. I'll call my extension. But I just wondered what time of the year he could come out. Well, I think with elm trees, uh, particularly because it's such an old elm tree, um, I mean, that's that's fantastic. If it's 100-plus years old, that's yeah. pretty darn good. Um, I would call an arborist right now, and I would have them come out. And if, you know, if they, if, if they say the better time for me to come out is August, then I would just set an appointment with them and just, you know, get on his calendar or her calendar and, uh, and just, you know, go forward with that. But, um, but that, you know, they'll come out and take a look at it. They'll come out and assess it, I'm sure. I mean, they're in this business to, you know, for healthy trees. So, sure. so just give them a call. And your extension site can probably, your you know, Wisconsin Extension is great. They can probably help you out. Or just, uh, you know, look in the look on, online or something and look for a certified arborist. Yeah. Very good, Dan. Thank you. Uh, let's uh, go to Coon Rapids. I believe Lynn has been waiting there. Uh, Lynn, you're on CCO. Hi. I had a couple of quick questions. One was about cleaning up the yard. I had heard, I don't know if it was this show or another one, to wait because there were critters and bugs living in... Is that still the case? Well, funny you should ask. (laughs) Why is that? (laughs) Because we have a great web post on our Yard and Garden News blog 
that it has to do with exactly that. And uh, it's by Dr. Elaine Evans. She is our resident bumblebee expert. And she encourages people to be a little careful now when you're cleaning up. And in particular, looking at the stems. You know, we have a lot of hollow flower stems and plant stems that are standing. Uh, Those might be, uh, we know that those stem nesting bees will overwinter in our gardens and so will butterflies. So, you know, how do you go about cleaning up your yard? You want it to look nice. Um, And so you can check out that article. There are stem nesting bees uh, possibly in some of those stems. And Elaine talks about how to manage those in your yard. And then also uh, the leaf litter as well, because a lot of butterflies overwinter in the leaf litter. And you want to be careful about, you know, getting in there too rough and pulling it away. Here's what I do in my garden. So I take that leaf litter, and when I see a plant coming up, I just simply push the leaf litter away. And that leaf litter, by leaving it on there, first of all, the plants are going to grow up and cover it up eventually. So you might think, oh, it looks kind of messy. But you know what? You're not even going to see it by June. And uh, second of all, that leaf litter breaks down and will allow for, you know, will really enhance your soil. So it does a lot of really good duties. And you don't have to haul it away or compost it. I mean, you've got it right there in your yard. So, um, so that's our recommendation. But take a look at that Yard and Garden News blog post. Uh, and you can find that. You can just Google uh, U of M Yard and Garden News and you'll pop, it'll pop right up for you. Good. All right, we need to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier, send a text, 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. This morning, Julie Weisenhorn is with us from the U of M. And uh, we have got so many callers. It is the season. Should we go on for about another three hours? What do you think? I think so. You may have stuff to do, I have to, to teach do, a though. class, though. Oh, you I, do. I'm at the Arboretum today teaching plant selection. Right plant, right place, right purpose. No, who can go there? Anyone. Anybody. Yeah, there so. might still be room in the class. All right, outstanding. Yeah. We cap it at 15 because we have a little computer work. All right, Come with good. your tablet. That's it. And for <laughs> the folks who have never been to the Arboretum, oh, yeah. you've got to see that. It's place. fantastic. Really and this good. is a great time because there's a lot of bulbs that are starting to come up. And Excellent. You can hear the birds singing and turkeys are moving around. And well, speaking of a lot, we have a lot of callers, a lot All of right. textures. Let's, let's get to uh, work. Let's talk to Diana calling in from Hutchinson, I believe. Uh, Diane, Diana, go ahead, please. Good morning. Morning. I have a question. I wanted to put some shrubs in front of my house, and we had shrubs there before, but they were there a long time, and and unfortunately, we had to take them all out. And I was just wondering, I don't want really tall shrubs. I want kind of shorter ones, and I was wondering what you would recommend. Well, actually, I'm going to send you to our website because we have a plant selection database there. Okay. And uh, And that is going to allow you to enter in the um, site condition, so if they're full sun, if it's, uh, so it's the site condition, so if, if it's full sun, if it's how big the plants have to be, height and width, uh, the kind of soil you have, and then features of the plant that you're looking for. So you can find that on our extension site, and you can just go to the uh, Yard and Garden webpage on extension.umn.edu, and then go down to lawns and landscapings, and there, there's a section on plant selection, on finding plants. And that would be the place that you can do that. You have to set up a short account, and it takes about five minutes to do that. And, and uh, you can you, there's 2,800 plants on that database. Wow. Or come to my class today. There you go. <laughs> or do both. Or do both. Yeah. 
<laughs> out right, of the Arboretum. <laughs> Thanks, Diana. Yeah. Uh, Kathy in uh, Inver Grove, I believe, is next on the phone. Kathy, you're on CCO with Julie. Thank you for taking my call, guys. You bet. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on a locust tree? We have a very mature one on our property, and it's just looking icky, and it's such a messy tree anyways. Well, you know, a mature tree is something that is really difficult to part with because it it changes. When you take it down, it changes your entire landscape from a shade standpoint, size, space. Um, So you really want to consider that. Like the caller earlier, I would have an arborist come in there and take a look at it. It could be that there's uh, some pruning that could be done that would rejuvenate that plant or make it look better uh, or perform better for you. And sometimes you get to the point with some plants that you just say, I really don't like this tree and or I really don't like this shrub. And then you can, you know, you can have it removed. But then I'd encourage you to plant, you know, one or two new trees uh, to replace that because we do need to add more trees to our landscapes. And I would suggest diversifying your plants. So if you have a lot of one kind of tree on your property, think about other trees that are available. And on our site, we also have recommended trees for Minnesota as well under our trees and shrubs section. All right. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, we're going to grab my text messages, but uh, Bill in uh, Prior Lake has been waiting to ask you a question, I believe. Go ahead, Bill. Thank you. Uh, good morning. Enjoy your show. Thank, Thank you. you. We have uh, some nice-looking rhubarb coming up, about yeah, me too. four or five different clumps. They have full sun on the south side of a uh, concrete patio. Is there a way that we can prune or fertilize or do something to make the stalks thicker, bigger? Uh, I think with that, I'm just looking at, actually, we have under our vegetable section on our site, we have every almost every vegetable I can think of <laughs> listed there, including a web page on rhubarb itself. So uh, I'm just looking at that. Uh, well-drained soil is recommended. Loamy soils are better than sandy soils. So if you have sandy soil or, or clay, you'd want to add some compost, maybe work it in around the plants, uh, and then um, maybe do something. It's a heavy feeder, so rhubarb uh, requires quite a bit of fertilizer. And so you want to do uh, add that compost in. Manure is good to add in as well. And then you might want to use a balanced uh, fertilizer as well, probably a vegetable fertilizer. Uh, rhubarb's funny because it's actually, I, we call it a vegetable, but it's really, you're really eating the petioles of the leaves. Those are the stems that connect the leaf blade, the big part of the leaf, to the base <laughs> of the plant. So it's kind of funny that way, but fertilizing it because it's, maybe it's just not getting enough nutrients. All right. That's my recommendation today. Here's a and te- then take a look at the site. Texter says we are bringing uh, in a dump truck of black dirt for our garden, wondering if I need to treat the black dirt for the weeds before we start planting or let the weeds start coming and then treat it. I don't think you could actually treat a dump truck full of soil. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to have to just spread it out uh, and see you know, see what you get. So at that point, um, hopefully you bought it from a reputable you know, location uh, but, you know, it's almost impossible to get rid of all weed seeds and soil. So you might want to consider putting down a pre-emergent. Uh, uh, that might be helpful. Uh, and then um, possibly um, that would prevent any annual seeds from sprouting. What time of year do you plant bulbs? Bulbs, uh, if they're hardy, bulbs like tulips, daffodils, crocus, scylla, 
Kionidoxa, those kinds um, that come up now, those are going to be planted in the fall because they need to go through winter. They need that vernalization in order to bloom. Uh, and uh, But we do have summer blooming bulbs, things like cannas and, um, uh, oh boy, I'm drawing a blank now. Um, I'm thinking of cannas because I just put mine out. And they're actually not a bulb. They're actually, I believe, a tuber. But um, at any rate, those are, um, so we do have summer blooming bulbs. Gladiolas are summer blooming. Um, so those would be planted now or cl- not quite now, but pretty close. We're coming into about our last frost date, which is May 9th for the metro area, at least the central part of the of the state. And so you can start planting those now. But if you're thinking about tulips and stuff, you missed the boat on that. Oh. You're going to want to plant those in the fall. Okay. Uh, is it too late to apply crabgrass preventer? I think you can apply up through the middle of May. Okay, still time. Still time. What's the best time to prune crabapple trees? Crabapple trees should be bloomed in the late winter, just like our production mm-hmm. apples. Uh, that allows the plant to then heal in the spring uh, before uh, the insects and any uh, pathogens that might be in the air might uh, affect those cuts. Back to the phones we go. Katie is calling from Mendota Heights. Katie, good morning. Hi, I have a question about dirt. Um, I had dirt from last December. I had spruce tips in them. And is it okay to use those for, like, flowers in the summer, or do I need to start over with new dirt? That It would be fine to use those for flowers, for ornamental flowers, yeah. So I would probably put in a slow-release fertilizer just to kind of give those plants a little, uh, feed those plants throughout the season. And... uh, there, you can buy those at your garden centers or your uh, big box stores as well. And uh, But, yes, you can reuse that soil. Good. Yep. You might want to add some compost too, too, you know, just kind of rich it up a bit. Texter says, I have a six-inch azalea. Told it was a house plant. How do I care for it? Okay, so that's like the caller that we spoke to, I think the first caller, who first or second. And uh, so that's a house plant. And it is not hardy in Minnesota, but you can certainly put it outside in the spring and uh, when we get to more consistent temperatures, like around 60 degrees. And uh, and then just feed it with an all-purpose household plant. Um, azaleas may require, and you can check the tag as well, that particular one might require also some kind of an acid-loving, uh, some kind of fertilizer for acid-loving plants like a muracid. Uh, and so you would want to add that too. But there is specific fertilizer for azaleas that you can purchase at a garden center. This would be uh, a text question. Several 50, I would assume they mean 50-foot Norway pines, completely dead. Wow. Age or is there a disease likely? 50-year-old that Norway is, pine. That is actually a job for an arborist. Yep. Big trees like that. It could be needle cast disease. It could be wind burn. It could be drought. It could be all sorts of things. And you're going to have to get a professional on property to take a look at those. And on our website, we actually, under our trees and shrubs section, we have a how to hire a certified arborist oh, you do. webpage. All right. Which is real helpful because it not only gives you links to places to find them, like the International uh, Society of Arboriculture, but also you can, uh, it gives you some questions to ask. Makes you a little bit smarter when they come out to your place. All right, good. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, but uh, for those that folks that don't know, you play in a group called the Abiders. I do. And you haven't played for a little while. No, we've been practicing. But you've been practicing. When's <laughs> yeah. your next gig? Uh, May 11th at Billy's in Rockford out on Highway 55. All right.
Coming right <laughs> up. Great. Now, what's the date? <laughs> May 11th. 11th. Okay. Yeah, two it's weeks. It's almost May, right? A few more days. I know. All right. We'll mention that again before you take your leave today. Uh, in the Twin Cities, 44 degrees. Uh, we have about another 15 minutes of the show to go, so don't go away. Callers on the line, stay there. And we have text messages as well on our Smart Garden Show here in News Talk 830-WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830-WCCO. Uh, Danny and Julie on yes, stage here. Yes, the dynamic duo. And we have uh, callers as usual and a lot of <laughs> texters, Julie, a lot of them. Um, let's grab a couple of callers and then we'll kind of do a lightning good. round or something Sounds like good. that. Uh, Joyce is calling from uh, Forest Lake, I believe. Joyce, you're on with Julie. Good morning. Morning. I have a uh, smoke bush that grew into a smoke tree <laughs> about 20 years ago, uh, and it blooms just beautifully all nice. the time. Uh, but this year, after the snowdrifts left, two of the trunks are bare of bark, and it goes all the way up to the one of them goes oh, all yeah. the way up to the 15-foot one. Um, is there anything I can do to help that bark from? Is a tree going to die, or can I put something on there, or will the bark grow back, or what do you think? Does it look like it's been chewed on? Yes. It's yeah. It's bare. Yeah, so it's probably deer, and uh, and probably the... Uh, that we've seen an awful lot of animal damage this year on on plants, and and not just at the base of plants, but also quite a ways up because we had all that snowfall, and uh, a lot of the plants, uh, and you know, and especially when you have deer, as you all know, who have deer, uh, it's almost impossible to protect plants except with heavy duty fencing. So uh, it's a risk that we take. You know, you get the wildlife plus you get your, you try to get your plants, and anyway. Uh, so the problem is, is that when animals chew on the branches of plants, they can sometimes girdle the plant. In fact, most likely they've girdled it, meaning that they have chewed through the vessels that transport nutrients and water uh, throughout the plant. Not all of them, but on that side. So you may see some dieback from the plant, but there's nothing you can do. You can't coat it with anything. You can't wrap it. Uh, the only thing you can do is keep that plant as stress-free as possible going into the season. So if we have a, if we happen to have a dry spring, which we don't really know quite yet, uh, it doesn't look that way, uh, then you're going to want to be sure that plant is well watered. I would mulch the roots, put at least a you know good hefty wide ring of mulch around that uh, so that you can protect the roots. That will also prevent mower damage and weed competition and will help to keep the roots moist and cool when we get into the deeper part of the summer. And then in some cases, if you look at the branches and uh, and it's feasible, and you're going to have to be the call on this or the judge of this or uh, an arborist if you call someone in or professional uh, grounds crew, is you may do some selective pruning as well to eliminate some of those damaged branches. But that's going to have to be something decided on site. At any rate, uh, there's nothing you can put on the on the bark or anything. And there, I saw there are a number of text messages about that too, so the same goes for everybody else. You can't paint it. You can't wrap it. You can't glue it back together, nothing. So all you can do is keep that plant as stress-free as possible. It may heal itself, but be prepared that it may mm. not. All right. Uh, let's uh, talk to John, who's calling from St. Paul with a question. John, you're on with Julie. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You bet. I'm trying to grow some grass up at my cabin up north, and the the soil is quite sandy. Okay. So the question is this. if I Should I put down some topsoil or some kind of something uh, over the sandy 
parts where I'm trying to grow grass and and how successful would I be doing that? Okay. I would mix it into that, those sandy areas. Um, Just putting it across the top creates a layer of your topsoil and your sand. So you want to actually incorporate topsoil. And I would actually add some compost into there too, because compost is going to do, uh, it's going to actually help with the water holding capacity of that sandy soil. In other words, that sandy soil is going to hold some water and make it available to those grass uh, roots. You might want to consider uh, some fine fescue seed mixes for those sandy areas. Fine fescue will tolerate drier conditions, and it will also uh, 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 survive any kind of shady areas if you have shade as well. And does uh, it's one of our selected species for uh, for those two conditions. So um, when you do seed. You want to have a soil-to-seed contact. That's really important. You want to mix that. You could even work that, that seed a little bit into the soil, not a lot, but a little bit, and then be sure it stays moist. You've got to keep that area watered. So you want to do this when you're going to be up at your cabin uh, for some time so that you can keep, you know, keep an eye on it. All right, very good. Uh, let's see. Here's, a, I think, a great question uh, via the text line, Julie. Seed or pre-emergent first? Mm, how question. long of a time in between? So pre-emergent is a product that prevents any kind of seed, good and bad, from germinating. And, uh, and so you would not want to put down a pre-emergent and then seed. And so the recommendation would, you know, the thing that you might reverse that, you might say, well, I'm going to seed first and get my plants established and up and growing. Then I'll put down my pre-emergent. The problem with that is the weed seeds have already germinated by that point. So you kind of have to make a decision uh, and then uh, do your seeding in the fall when uh, we get back into our cooler temperatures after our hot summer and we get into that cool temperatures. Fall is actually the best time to do an awful lot of lawn work, aeration, seeding, uh, dormant seeding in November. It's a great time of year to do it. Spring is actually kind of second in the, in the you know, scheme of things. So you may do your preventer in the spring now, and then you might do some, maybe you'll do some spot seeding later, you know, as you find you've got some bare spots, or if you take out some weeds and you've got some bare spots, do some seeding then. But then you really want to do that big overarching uh, seeding in the fall. Yeah. I like to fertilize in the fall, almost more Fertilization than the is good yeah. too. And, and our website under our turf and uh, our lawns and landscapes has a ton of great information from our turf team on all of these ways to do this, including a calendar uh, called the Minnesota Lawn Care Calendar that tells you the time of year, the optimal time, the best time, and the second best time to do these sorts of What's the website again? Extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden and go to Lawns and Landscaping. Well, we have less than two minutes. Good morning, Julie and Denny. (laughs) My lawn has been invaded by my neighbor's ground cover. What should I use to kill it? How long do I need to wait to reseed? Okay, so you need to identify what kind of ground cover that is. If it's a broadleaf, then you would put down a broadleaf herbicide on that, uh, and that would not harm your grass. But if it's something that's a grassy weed, then you're going to have to basically put down a, a, a non-selective herbicide that's going to also kill your grass. So you have to determine that. Uh, and then you would want to reseed pretty quickly after that. And when you read the package, because I know you're going to apply this properly and follow the instructions on that herbicide, then uh, then it will tell you how long before you can seed. It's usually not very long. In fact, we encourage you to quickly get that seed down so that the weeds don't grow back. 
All right. Now, we have less than a minute to go. A couple of things we should keep in mind. The Arboretum. <laughs> Can't believe it. Yeah, the How Arboretum. Arboretum out on uh, Highway 5, just past uh, 41, the intersection of 41 and 5, just to the west. Great classes. I'll be out there today teaching my plant selection class. There's a limit, and I don't know. We might have already reached it. I'm not sure, but... Uh, but there's lots of other classes to take out there, tons of stuff to do, and beautiful grounds to look at. Even at, on this kind of cloudy day, it would be a great time would, to go out. It would be a good time, yeah, a good day. good restaurant, too. And excellent. <laughs> All right. And uh, website again? Extension.umn.edu. And be sure to look at our uh, Yard and Garden News blog. You can just Google U of M Yard and Garden News. And we've got a lot of good information, including cleaning up information and a post that I did on plants for bats. Happy birthday, Monday. Thank you. Thank you, Julie.